we're going to take a break for a few weeks from our current series of conversations. We've been talking about the importance of connection. And today we're going to take a break, and then we'll take a break through the month of December as we talk about Advent. And during December, we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus, how it happened, and what it means. But this morning, we're going to talk about our favorite topic for all of us, especially when you go to church. We're going to talk about money. So today, specifically, we're going to talk about overcoming lies that prevent us from being more generous, because perspective the lies that we tell ourselves. Perspective is one of the keys to being generous and having a generous heart and living out what God has deposited in you. Let me kick us off with prayer, and then we'll jump in. Father, we're so thankful for your generosity to us. We pray this morning that you would speak, and that you would speak truth to us, to our heads and to our hearts, you would enable us, especially in this coming season, to be profoundly generous, to express your character and your life through ours. In Jesus' name, amen. So Diane and I spent Thanksgiving with uh, her family in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and we have for the last few years. And Diane has a really fun family. They're great to be around while we were there, I was reminded of a note that I read some time ago. It says, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory. We had the fire. We were lucky, though. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get to our, our dormitory livable again... I moved in with Paul. He's been so nice. I must admit that I became pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine and will write more when I get a chance. Love your daughter, Susie. P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and flunk chemistry. I just wanted you to receive this news in its proper perspective. <laughs> perspective is critically important. We often think of ourselves as the CEO of our lives. We are the chief executive officer of our lives. We make all the decisions, but that's not really true. So much in our lives is out of our control. What we actually are is the CPO of our lives. We are the chief perspective officer. And here's some important perspective information for us. And if you forget everything else, don't forget this. The surest path to long-term financial success is to use God's math. Boys and girls, that's not an excuse not to learn math in the first through the fifth grade. But the, the surest path to long-term financial success is to use God's math. Here's a very short primer on God's math. In God's geometry, the way up is down. The way to be first is to begin last. And in God's accounting, and for our purposes, this is critical, in God's accounting, the way to have is to give. So this morning, let's examine two myths that keep us from employing God's math. We're going to have those myths addressed for us from God's Word. So we're going to read this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to look. It's one of those little books at the back of the New Testament. If you have a phone, just dial up 1 Timothy 
chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 6 through 19. But we're going to focus on verses 6 through 16, give us the context. We're going to focus on verses 17 through 19, so get prepared. I'm going to have you stand for verses 17 through 19. But let's just get the run up. Let's get the Apostle Paul first speaking to his young friend Timothy, and then he's going to speak into Timothy's life about Timothy's teaching ministry to others, and it's going to be a word to us as well. So, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I'll begin reading in verse 6. He's talked, by the way, at the opening of this chapter about crazy teachers who were around in Paul's day who actually had teaching ministries, and the purpose of those teaching ministries was financial gain. Then he says this in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. I once heard Billy Graham say he never saw a U-Haul attached to a hearse. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. I don't wish to take the desire to be rich away from you because it's just a terrible thing. I want to take the desire to be rich away from you because it leads to all kinds of terrible things. It, it leads to destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from this, from this greedy heart, and pursue, and look at what he sets up in opposition to greediness but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Jesus Christ, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you, now that's some pressure, isn't it, to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. And now he gives some instructions to Timothy as a teacher. And I want us to hear this today as a direct word to us because he's addressing us. So let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's word. Verses 17 through 19 of 1 Timothy chapter 6, God says this to us, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. It's God's word. You may be seated. So let's examine two lies that prevent us from using God's math. Lie number one, we think our provision depends on what we do. We think our provision depends on our effort. Command those, strong language, who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. 
When we get what we want, we tend to think that we got it through cleverness or tenacity or good planning or the right idea. When we don't have what we want, we think it's because we don't get the right opportunity or we don't have the right characteristic and we feel badly about ourselves. We don't have enough of some characteristic or we didn't get the right opportunity. Somebody did something wrong to us that prevented us from doing what we needed to do to provide for ourselves. If only we had better training. If only we had more confidence. If only we had different opportunities. But God's assessment of that is that we are proud to think that way. He knows that what we have comes to us as a gift from him. James chapter 1 verse 17, in the middle of an argument, James makes this kind of devotional pronouncement. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. At one point in his teaching ministry, Jesus is comparing us to a branch connected to a tree. The tree, of course, is himself and, and his own juices and his own provision. And he says, if you stay connected to the tree, then you will bear much fruit. If you don't stay connected to the tree, then you can do nothing. Your life will produce nothing of value. Moses, in his last sermon, makes the same point in his last sermon to the children of Israel. Moses talking in Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, and I'm, I'm going to read a section for you because I really want you to hear this. When you've eaten and are satisfied after you've gone into the land, so he's talking to the, the Israelites for the last time, this is his last sermon, before they go in and take over the promised land. He says, when you've gone in, you eat and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I am giving you. He goes on and says the same kind of thing down in verse 16. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known to humble you and to test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourselves, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. We think that our provision depends on us, lie number one. We think we don't have the life we really want because we have too little of something. But in reality, we don't have the life we want because we have too much of ourselves. Lie number two, we believe we would be happier if we had more resources. Command those who are rich in this present world not to put their hope in wealth, Paul says. We believe we'll be happier if we have more money. We believe money can buy us more of the life we want. That's what it means to put our hope in wealth. We put our hope in the thing that will meet our needs. We put our hope in wealth because we believe it will bring us the life we want. We believe this despite our own experience. We know people who are extremely wealthy and yet are miserable. We believe this despite numerous long-term studies on lottery winners. Over and over again, lottery winners have been studied, and five years later, they're not only not happier, but statistically, they're usually less happy. We believe this despite overwhelming evidence of all kinds of long-term happiness studies. It has nothing to do with our financial status. In spite of all the evidence, we still believe that we will be happier if we have more stuff, if we have more resources. We believe this despite 
the evidence. I have a couple of brother-in-laws who were married to Diane's sisters, which is what a brother-in-law is, who are hunters. And last year, I was standing with a group of them as one of them told the other one this joke. Did you hear about the group of friends that went deer hunting? They paired off in twos for the day. That night, one of the hunters returned alone, staggering into the campground under the weight of a 200-pound deer. The other hunters asked, where's Bob? The lone man said, oh, he had a stroke a couple of miles back. The other hunters were shocked and asked, why did you leave Bob and bring the deer back? And the lone hunter said, well, I didn't think anybody was going to steal Bob. Now, it was funnier than that when one hunter told the other hunter. Now, if we stepped inside the joke, which you, you're never supposed to do, but if we stepped inside the joke and asked the hunter if he really cared more about the deer than he cared for Bob, of course he would say no. Of course I care more for Bob than I do for the deer. But his actions said something different, hence the joke. We don't believe that we're really putting our hope in wealth, but our actions say something differently. God's assessment of that is that it's basically foolishness. Let's continue. Command those who are rich in this present world not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Why put your hope in something uncertain? Proverbs 23, 4, and 5 says this, don't wear yourself out to get rich. And some of you this morning are in the middle of a life of wearing yourself out. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. If this is your first time being with us this morning, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for being with us. We're, we're honored to have you. If you're visiting family from out of town, we're honored to have you, and we're honored to have your family as well. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope your holiday was awesome. If you walked in this morning and thought, this is really nice space, we agree. We think this building is spectacular. We thank God constantly for it. We're not over it yet. We've only been here a couple of months. We're still figuring out where the light switches are, but we are really enjoying it. I talked about it over the Thanksgiving holidays over and over again with my family because they've been, or Diane's family, they've been following our progress and looking at posts and, and looking at our website, and they were really excited for us. So I've just come off several days of talking about how awesome you all are and how great this new building is. Again, if you're fairly new with us or if this is your first Sunday, you need to know this was not our first attempt. We've been around for a while as a church, and God has done some great things within us and among us. We've seen the trajectory of some lives just completely redirected, and we've just been so excited to watch what God has done. Diane and I have been excited to watch, my wife is Diane, and Diane and I have been excited to watch what God has done in our lives through you and in your lives because of us, because of one another, in our children's lives, it's, it's been a joy. But there have been some difficulties along the way. We've been at this for more than 19 years. 
And we've been meeting in elementary schools and in people's homes and in middle schools. And finally, thank you, Jesus, here we are. As I said, this is our second attempt. We bought this piece of property many years ago. And ask me some other time, I will tell you about us buying this property. We got the best deal on land since God gave Israel the promised land. And none of us had to be killed to get it. It was awesome. And along with this piece of property that you're sitting on right now, we also owned several acres that direction across Gum Spring Road, and we owned this little section of Gum Spring Road as well. And we owned some acreage across that way, across Tall Cedars Parkway. Did I point the right direction? Doesn't matter. Across Tall Cedars Parkway, and we owned the strip that Tall Cedars Parkway sits on as well. We originally thought that we were going to be opening this building and thanking y'all for coming in 2010, and you would have all been younger and better looking. But we didn't get there because a variety of things happened in our congregation. And we also experienced a recession, and you guys will remember that. And those things combined led us to call off our original building effort and even our giving campaign. So we stopped some number of years ago and only really got restarted again in 2013. As I said, we thought that we were going to build in 2010. We were not a large enough or strong enough congregation to really build the kind of facility this, that we believed that God wanted us to build, but we had been enabled by God to do so because we owned all of this property and we knew that a couple of parcels of land would be separated from us by Gum Spring Road and by Tall Cedars Parkway. We were going to sell off those parcels for multiple billions of dollars, and the, the building was going to build itself. Yay, God, thank you. Only it didn't work that way. It was a really good plan, but it didn't work that way. And the result of it not working that way, you need to know, is a variety of things. Ultimately, God's purposes are served, and we're here because God is sovereign, and we're here at exactly the right time. But when it didn't work that way, I have to speak personally this morning, when that didn't work, for a period of time, it caused a great deal of disappointment in me. It generated a, a lot of disappointment. It was such a good plan how did it not work? I realized that ultimately what began to help me spin out of it is that I realized that the disappointment had come because I had put my hope in the plan and not in God. The disappointment that was generated inhibited my ability to give God thanks and glory despite circumstances. It inhibited my ability to give God the thanks and glory that he was due. The disappointment that it generated in me inhibited my generosity. The disappointment that it generated in me inhibited my ability to put hope in God. The only reliable repository of hope. We are convinced that if we had more resources or the right resources, that we'd be happy. Despite all evidence, we believe that myth, and that myth prevents us from being generous. I want to give you one more myth. This is just an aside, parentheses. Paul doesn't cover this. But I think one of the myths related to these two myths is we're pretty convinced that we would be more generous if we just had more stuff so we could give it away. 
It's not true. So let's talk about the truth that helps us live by God's math. Here's the truth that helps us live God's math. Our provision comes from God, and that's where we should place our hope. Let me read again verses 17 through 19 so we hear the whole thing. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Our provision comes from God, and that's where we should place our hope. God amplifies that great truth in two ways. So our provision comes from God. That's where we should place our hope. And now he's going to put a loudspeaker on that truth in a couple of ways. Number one, God amplifies this great truth by telling us that he provides for us richly. This is one of the central themes of the Bible. God provided direction when it was needed. God gave military victory when it was needed. God provided the land when it was needed. God provides comfort and peace. God gave us life. God gave us his son. God is generous and God provides for us richly. And we of all people should know that. God provides for us richly. As my wife Diane often reminds me, we shouldn't think about what God wants from us. We would do well to focus on what God wants for us. God provides opportunity. God provides blessing. God provides family. God provides help for us richly. There's a second way God amplifies the truth that he provides for us. The Bible says he provides for us Did you notice this word, for our enjoyment? Sometimes we have the idea that God is the fun police. But God provides what he provides for us for our enjoyment. I want to give you two images to think about this morning. On the one hand, we can think of our lives like living it as a gatherer-collector. And that's what many of us do. We think of ourselves as trying to gather as much as we can so that we can collect as much as we can. The deck furniture or the new kitchen countertops, we want to gather as much as we can and and collect it in our home. The little trinkets to go on the new kitchen countertops. The right accoutrements to go with the new living room furniture. We're gathering and collecting And this is how we think of our lives, and we have to generate as much resource as we can so that we can gather, so that we can collect. I want to give you a a completely different image. On the other hand, we can live our lives like a receiver and a giver. And this is what we were made for, to be a receiver and a giver. A moment ago, we talked about how generous God is. This is why we were made to be receivers and givers, because God is the ultimate giver, and he longs to give us so that We can be like him and give to others. All right, let me end this morning with a final point that the Apostle Paul makes and then an illustration to send us on our way. The final point, Paul encourages us, and don't miss this, Paul encourages us to lay up treasures for ourselves in the coming age. So as weird as it sounds, if you're not someone who's dialed in spiritually, if you don't believe this stuff, then this is where it gets especially weird. But 
reality is more than we can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. There is an eternity around us and before us, a spiritual world, and we were designed for eternity. We were not built just for here. We will live forever. Therefore, we must concern ourselves with our entire lives. That includes eternity. We have to concern ourselves with eternity. The crazy, unexpected, surprising, counterintuitive thing is that as we approach life by storing up treasure for the future age, our comfort and peace and happiness in this age is increased. I'm going to say that again. As we approach life by storing up treasure for the future age, our comfort and peace and happiness in this age is increased. Because of God's math, the way to have is to give. That's why he tells them that the way to store up treasure in the future age is to be generous right now. To be generous in giving stuff away, to be generous in good deeds. So, as a final encouragement this morning, we're coming into Christmas season. Let's do it differently this year. Let's think this year at Christmas, and I'm going to talk to the boys and girls for one minute. Let's think this year at Christmas not just about what we're going to get, but let's think about what we can give. Let's be generous. You and I are exactly who Paul is writing about here. We are rich in this present age. So as we approach the end of this year, let's think about doing it more generously. I'm going to give you as a sidebar, I'm going to give you some ideas about how we might do that over the next few weeks, some specific ideas. But I wanted to set this up this morning with a call to generous living. Let me end with an illustration I read not long ago. About 10 years ago, there was this little devotional magazine. Some of you have seen it before. It's called The Daily Bread. It had a story about a rich industrialist, it was called. I don't know when this was written. They haven't been called industrialists for generations, but there was a rich industrialist who was on vacation, and he became quite disturbed, the story says, one day to find a fisherman sitting lazily beside his boat near his vacation fishing spot. Why aren't you out there fishing? The rich industrialist asked. Because I've caught enough fish for the day, the fisherman said. Well, why don't you catch more fish? The rich man said, you have plenty of time. Why would I want them? The fisherman said. Well, you could earn more money, came the impatient reply, and, and buy a better boat so you could go deeper and catch even more fish. And you could purchase nylon nets and catch even more fish and make even more money. And soon you'd have a fleet of boats who could all go deeper with nylon nets, catch more and more fish, and you'd be rich like me. And the fisherman asked, then what would I do? The rich industrialist said, you could sit down and enjoy your life like I'm doing. To which the fisherman said, what do you think I'm doing right now? For some of us, the life we want will be found to the degree that we learn to receive God's blessing, the ones we already have, and those he's waiting to give and then learn to share those blessings generously with others. This can only happen when we have the right perspective on our stuff 
And that comes when we put our hope in him. Because God's math says the more we give, the more we have. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for, again, your generosity to us. Thank you for the blessings that we have. And we thank you in advance for those that you are longing to give to us. We pray, Lord, that anything you might have spoken this morning, you would seal it in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's make sure we get this this morning. We're going to end with a song about God's love because he's so generous with his love. But before we do that, we're going to sing a little, I don't need any accompaniment for this because who knows what key I'm in. We're going to sing a little chorus that we have done a couple of times over the last few weeks here, and we're going to sing it in a round, and we're going to add a verse today. So we want to make sure that what has been said to us today gets sealed up. So the chorus goes like this. Sing it with me if you know it, and I know many of you do, because you've heard it the last couple of weeks. It goes, love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. Love your neighbor as your brother. Love, love, love. Love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. Love your neighbor as your brother. Love, love, love. Now that is, of course, the gospel in a word to us and for us. But what happens as the gospel is expressed to us and something happens in us, then the result is, so sing this one with me. Give, 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 give. The gospel in a word is give. Give to your neighbor as your brother. Give, give, give. You were a little more reluctant with that one. A, because you didn't know the words. And B, because the message is tougher. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do give, 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 give. Section three here. Section two here. Section one here. So give, 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 give. And we start over here. Let's try it all together to make sure we got the words again. Give, 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 the gospel in a word is give, give to your neighbor as your brother, give, give, give. Now we do it in a round. One, two, three. Give, 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 give. Give, 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 again. Give, 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 give,
us that phrase again. Give, give, give. Again, one more time, just that phrase. Give, give, give. And all God's people said? Okay, let's stand together. Here's the thing. We don't have the hearts, I'm afraid. We could not sing about giving forever. But what we could sing about forever is God's love. So here's a little chorus that we have done over the years. It's easy to catch on to. It's kind of a funny rhythm, but it's easy to catch on to. Sing it with us. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing. try to do something this morning. Those of you who are unembarrassed and unashamed, when it says, so I will daily lift my hands, let's try it. And those of you who aren't wildly Pentecostal, you can just do this. So let's do some kind of something. You can raise one hand as a way of saying, I'm in. I'm in with, I'm in with what I've heard this morning. Or you can raise both hands by, uh, as a way of saying, I'm really in, plus I got a little sleepy, so I need to stretch. Or you can do one of those and say, I'm in, but I don't want anybody to really know it. All right, let's go from the top over the mountains. Here we go. Come on, choir, you've heard it. How many of you have never heard this song before? Raise your hand. If that's not true, you just heard it. All right, let's try it again. Over the mountains. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healers set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth. And I will take
people said